A state representative looking to prohibit the sale of violent video games to minors, and in particular to change the definition of violent video games to add some new terms, including simulated carjackings and violence towards animals and violence towards women. Uh, it seems to indicate that uh, one game in particular could be targeted, and that's the, uh, the game Grand Theft Auto. Uh, it's the WMAY Morning News Feed. I'm Greg Bishop, and I'd love to hear from you on this a little bit later on here in about 10 minutes. We'll open up phone lines, 217-629-7970 for you to chime in. Should uh, video games, violent video games, have restrictions on who can purchase them? Uh, but to talk about the impact of violent video games on youth, if there is one, is professor of psychology at Stetson University out of Florida, Dr. Chris Ferguson, joining us here on the WMAY Morning News Feed. Uh, Chris, thanks for taking time with us this morning. Uh, do you play uh, violent video games? Well, I think you know almost everybody under the age of 50 <laughs> does to some extent or another or has at some point in their lives. It's- it's important to understand, like, when we talk about violence in video games, uh, that term is actually pretty broad, you know, and in the, in the way that we use it in the, in the, in the science. Uh, and so, like, technically, you know, even games like Pac-Man or Minecraft, uh, you know, or Angry Birds can, could technically be called, you know, quote-unquote violent video games. Now, well, you know, most people Mario, find that pretty absurd. <laughs> Mario went around and, and stepped on people and, you know, smashed mm-hmm. bricks and, 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 and shot fireballs, for crying out loud. Is that, is that violence? Yeah, well, as, I mean, again, the, the way we kind of define violence in video games in the field, technically, yes. But I, again, most people kind of find that absurd. I actually tend to agree with that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, according to the way that, you know, the, the science sort of approaches this, it, it sort of lumps all these games in together. And, and the theory is that simply the act of sort of rehearsing aggression over and over, you know, it, whether you're doing so in the context of Angry Birds or doing so in the context of Grand Theft Auto, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's simply you know, doing it over and over again is, is uh, theoretically supposed to increase your aggressive behavior. Does that increase aggressive behavior, doing something over and over and over again, even in a simulated fashion? It, it appears not. You know, so again, that was kind of the theory that people had for a long time. But, you know, we've done at this point, you know, probably three-plus decades of research on this, going way back to the Pac-Man era. And, uh, you know, there certainly has been a lot of debate over the years about this, but I think, you know, it's, it's finally kind of resolving at this point to suggest that certainly if we're looking at things like violent crimes or bullying or major acts of aggression, uh, the answer is pretty clearly no. Uh, there does not seem to be any kind of link between playing even, even some of these more graphic games like Call of Duty or Grand Theft Auto. Uh, there does not seem to be any kind of predictive link to things like carjackings or mass shootings or other sorts of violent crimes. We're talking with Chris Ferguson. He's a professor of psychology at Stetson University, uh, reacting to a bill that's been filed at the Illinois State House by State Representative uh, Marcus Evans that that would uh, further define violent video games to include simulated carjackings, violence against animals, and violence against women. Uh, and, and Chris, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, the, the spike of uh, carjackings that's happened in Chicago, but it's a big problem. Uh, here in Springfield, we're far from Chicago. Chicago, but we've had uh, violence in our area as well, including two fatal shootings uh, in just mm-hmm. seven days' time. Uh, so what is behind? As, as somebody who teaches psychology, uh, what's behind some of the perceived increase of uh, violent crime? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And, and of course, you know, violent crime is, is complicated. So lots of things you know, lead to it. But um, you know, one of the interesting things that's important to point out is that, you know, violent crime had been decreasing in the United States for over 25 years. So people tend to think it's been going up continuously. And in fact, you know, we're, 
until 2020, at least, we, we were at the lowest level of violent crime in the United States since the 1960s. Um, now, 2020 was special, you know, and you know, the early data we have at this point does suggest that, you know, across the nation and particularly in urban environments, big cities, uh, we seem to be seeing an elevation in violent crime, but not other types of crimes, uh, which is kind of interesting. And, and, and again, I think you know, we can all look back on 2020 and see it was a special year. And uh, there are lots of things happen. And I think they all, to some degree, contribute to this. You know, so we had the, the COVID-19 pandemic. People lost their jobs. You know, people were isolated uh, in their homes together. And, and that was going to cause some problems, uh, both to mental health and to you know, people's you know, uh, bank accounts and such. Um, and then, you know, we had the sort of, you know, race protests and, and, and riots in the summer of 2020. And, you know, one thing we also know from particularly some more recent studies is that when these types of events happen, police oftentimes withdraw patrols from higher risk neighborhoods, and that can increase violent crime rate, um, you know, as well. So I, I think there are a lot of things going on, both in terms of, you know, the, the stressors caused by the pandemic, some of the sudden changes in policing, you know, due to the events of the summer, uh, and just the general stress that everybody seems to be in um, in the culture at large at this point. So I think a lot, of, a lot of negative things are all happening at once, and that made 2020 a very difficult year for violent crime. Well, and we're here now in, in 2021, and uh, we still have some schools in Illinois. I know you're in Florida, uh, sunny Florida, mm-hmm. where uh, you don't have the necessarily the, the COVID-19 restrictions down in Florida that we still live in uh, under yeah. Governor J.B. Pritzker here in Illinois. But that includes a lot of schools are still remote. They they have yet to have in-person education. Uh, how does that factor into this, uh, especially with, like, you know, young people uh, doing carjackings in Chicago, which one incident was just horrific. Uh, a retired firefighter in Chicago was gunned yeah. down uh, by minors, by by people under the age of eighteen, and uh, in a carjacking incident. Uh, yeah. d- does the lack of in person school and and that kind of like opportunity and that kind of face to face with uh, with mentors or with with elders, for instance, uh, does that play into uh, aggressive behavior amongst youth? Yeah, it absolutely can. I mean, of course, we don't have real clear data on this yet, so some of it's kind of speculative. But, uh, you know, what we seem to be seeing early on is that the sort of idea of virtual school for a lot of kids was not a success. You know, um, so certainly in Florida, we've seen something of a of a move back towards in-person school over the last semester. Um, and, and part of that was the recognition that, yeah, a lot of kids didn't engage with virtual school uh, to the same extent. And, and there's a theory in criminology, it's called routine activities theory, which basically the gist of it, it says, you know, you take the population of people most likely to commit crimes, which is young males, um, and you want to give them things to do, you know, so positive things to do, which you certainly could include school, but it could include a lot of other things, including play video games, by the way. Um, and um, that... You know, by taking time away from them, that gives them less time to commit crimes. Now, if you end up with virtual school and these kids aren't going to school and they're not engaging, they're not doing the work online, then they end up with more time uh, to you know commit crimes if they're so inclined. And so, yeah, it, it can be, again, it's probably not the only thing or even necessarily the, the most major thing, uh, but it may be one factor that may have contributed to some of these uh, spikes in crime. And, and I think as we get better data coming out over the next couple of years, we'll, we'll have more clarity on that issue. 
Dr. Chris Ferguson from Stetson University in Florida uh, here on the WMAY Morning News Feed. Uh, greatly appreciate you taking time, and I would imagine that uh, um, you know this is going to be an ongoing conversation because, gosh, I remember uh, back in the day in the in the '90s and uh, even before then with with uh, certain types of music and rap music and hip hop music and even like stuff like Marilyn Manson, for instance, being blamed for uh, mm-hmm. certain types of behavior. Uh, so, so ultimately, I mean. It, you're saying that there's no substantial uh, proof that the the media people consume impact their actions. Yeah, I mean, if anything, I would say there's pretty conclusive proof that the media does not impact their actions, uh, specific, you know, specifically in this area of uh, violence in media and uh, violent crimes. Uh, and yeah, this this is very much a uh, repetitive cycle that we see with uh, yeah rock music in the '80s and Dungeons and Dragons in the '80s. There's comic books in the 1950s. Uh, people were upset about the radio in the 1940s, and there even were you know research papers on the dangers of radio, which is kind of you know, amusing to go back and look at. Um, and uh, and the other thing, sort of important to point out, I think too, about this law that in, in Illinois is that uh, it's actually pretty blatantly unconstitutional. The, the Supreme Court has already looked at these types of laws going back 10 years ago and uh, said that you know, the government cannot regulate sales of uh, violent media to, to, to youth. So even if people sort of like the idea of it, uh, that is fairly moot. Uh, it is illegal to have uh, a law of this sort that's been proposed in Illinois. Chris Ferguson, uh, psychology professor, greatly appreciate you taking time with us this morning, and uh, we may connect again soon if we see this thing advance, all right? That'd be awesome. Well, thanks for having me on today. I appreciate it. It's the WMAY morning news feed.